You're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcast Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at whatisthepodcastmatrix.com. When you hear the words, Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. There are many cultures with their own peculiarities. Inside our most recent story, there is a, th- a culture that is showcased th- called the Penitites, a culture eerily similar to the Mennonites of the Northeast, who dress simply, lead simple lives, hold the Lord and separated genders at the heart of their laws, and a community that features a quilt. One that is at the center of murderous dreams. Murderous dreams most foul. It's the pattern tapestry literally at the center of this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. A retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, Season 1, Episode 19, The Quilt of Greetings, everybody. Mike Wilkerson here, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, a ton to talk about inside this episode, but first, some quick housekeeping. Two guys talking Star Wars. Nick, we're coming up quick to yet another Star Wars film in December of this particular year. But before then, there's all kinds of projects on the way, both in the cinema, on the smaller HD screen, but also in comic book form. Yes, yes. Are you familiar with any of the Star Wars comics that are coming out? I know you're a comic guy. I am a comic guy. I'm actually picking up the ongoing from Marvel. Mm-hmm. Now that Disney owns Marvel and Disney owns Lucasfilm, Disney is making Marvel do a comic book series that uh, kind of fills in the gap between A New Hope mm-hmm. and The Empire Strikes Back. Interesting. And I've, Interesting. I've been picking that book up since it came out. Oh, wow. That actually sounds pretty cool. You have to tell us more about that. In fact, you might even want to stop in over at the Two Guys Talking Star Wars podcast ah, to share some of that. I may that... beam myself. Oh, wait a minute. That's the wrong franchise. <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind of connective tissue inside of something like their program, I think, would mm-hmm. be really, really well done, especially because there are so many questions that can be answered inside the canon because of how that comic book story set falls. Yes, yes. Very interesting. For those of you that are interested in Star Wars, make sure you go check out Two Guys Talking Star Wars. It's a couple of cops and an interpreter that dig deep into Star Wars fandom. TwoGuysTalkingStarWars.com Predator movies. I think the very first general three 
Predator movies held a very special place in my heart because I can go and grab bits and pieces of them that mean a lot to me inside the mythology of what happens inside of Predator films. Right. We've done a whole bunch of perspective review stuffs, both from the original film and then from Predators, the Technically not the third film. Sequel, but the, good, the other good one. And what we've got on the horizon that I wanted to share with everybody is that we're going to, you and I, and a, a really great friend of the show, Wyatt Weed from Pirate Pictures, who actually wore a Predator outfit inside of Predator 2, yes. are going to be doing a perspective review of Predator 2, a movie that came out way too long ago, uh, that has so many stars who were just kind of making their ebb towards greatness inside of it. Or we're already great already. Yeah. It's a very interesting film, and I know that going back to it, to to visit it both now this many years later, right. but also the fact of literally having a predator in our midst is going to be <laughs> wonderful for everybody that listens. For now, though, what I want everybody to do is go over to twoguystalking.com forward slash predator and listen to the original Predator Perspective Review. There's also a link inside of that Perspective Review over to twoguystalking.com forward slash Predators with an S. That'll get you to what I think are the definitive films for Predator stuffs. That'll get you prepped for the Perspective Review of Predator 2 coming up soon. Nick, that's all I got for housekeeping. There's so much to talk about inside this episode. Yes. It's now time to get to the retelling inside this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Season 1, episode 19. The Quilt of Hathor. A young couple is found by a gnarly-looking woman named Effie, who is berating the young man for delivering a kiss to young Jane, the young lady. Effie goes to her room and grabs a quilt from her hope chest at the base of her bed and spreads it out on her bed. She prepares to nestle in for the night, clutching the quilt very close to her, and then falls asleep. Inside her dreams, she dances in red renaissance garb. Colors abound everywhere, but in real life, she writhes. She writhes inside of the quilt. Inside the dream, the young lady, Jane, who is kissing the young man, appears to be dancing with the young man atop a tall parapet, who then quickly casts her off the balcony, and she falls to her death inside the dream, but also inside of real life. The girl dies. Very unfortunate. Meanwhile, back at the Curious Goods antique shop, an older lady named Sarah from the Penitite colony has arrived to talk about the quilt that was once purchased there. Jack quickly finds its evil history. Sarah, the older lady, reveals that it has been stolen. Jack promises that the quilt will be found by our daring duo who will dress reasonably plainly and try to blend in inside the penitite colony. They don't I, try to blend in. They. I was kind of surprised that they're not blending. They're just there. Right. They, they just appear. They stand out like a sore thumb. In more ways than one. As they roll into the penitite colony town, they see the town hall, the barn where goods and services are shared, the leader of the Reverend Grange's home, a showpiece to be sure, then the hall, where the unmarried people live. Men on one end, the women on the other. 
Never the two shall meet, for there will be punishments. Lots of punishments in Many this place. punishments. Yeah. Punishments most foul. Then it's time to eat down on the lower floor. A young lady welcomes Ryan and introduces him to her soon-to-be husband, Crazy Matt, who has been chosen for her since the age of seven. Ew. As night falls, a prayer for Sister Jane, who's recently joined the Lord's bosom after she died mysteriously, recently, somehow, in her sleep. Ryan asks questions, and Effie, the same gnarly young lady, shuts down all conversations. Because it's 7 p.m. It's time for Sleepy. It's bedtime. It arrives. And Ryan decides to take a quick check around the berg. Why not? Everybody's asleep, right? Makes sense. Yeah. It's the perfect time to berg check. Perfect time to check a berg. And so he does. He checketh the berg. He finds a carriage, springy and full of bounce, just like the young lady who walks by him, who's soon to be married to Crazy Matthew. She heads towards the barn to sing to the horses. Ryan nestles alongside the young lady and begins singing a duet with her. And then they dance and... Fornicator! I will cut your throat! Says Crazy Matthew, her soon-to-be betrothed. Laura cons Matthew to spare Ryan's life, and now a court, a court hearing where justice will be delivered shall happen in the morning. People are sleeping right now. Right. So the next day. Yeah. Speaking of the next day, the hearing convenes. Justice shall be deliveredeth. Matthew demands justice. Laura sings some more and shares some more lyrica, but music is foreboden. Dancing is apparently against the law here, as is breathing and blinking and real beards. The Lord Convener demands that Ryan will stay away from Leader Grange's daughter. That's all for now. Now it's time for a churchbound meeting of business. The subsequent churchbound business meeting narrows finally to the colony's finances. Grange controls the finances and declares shame on anyone that doesn't thinketh that he has the colony's best interests at hearteth. That's terrible. Everybody should trust Lord Grangeth. And now it's time for Grange to get married. A respectful woman. Who shall it be? Ryan and Mickey still haven't found anything except a porno mag inside a crazy Matthews room. While digging through gnarly Effie's room, Mickey finds a mirror that she quickly breaks when Effie finds and then chokes her. And for some unknown reason, Effie releases her and she leaveth the roometh with the broken mirrorith. Time for a meal and an announcementeth. Grange will be marrying Rebecca Lamp, not Effie. Bummer, Effie begins to smolder and begins contemplating the next victim in her quilt-draped bed of death. Ryan, in true John Book fashion, heads for the barn to see if Laura can join him forever. But alas, it's crazy Matthew who darts inside, just missing Ryan, who jumps underneath a bunch of hay bales. Crazy Matthew decides, hey man, it's time to feedeth the horseths, and grabs a pitchfork. As he casually feeds the horses, hayeth, nothing goodeth happeneth, because he apparently strikes Ryaneth in the veineth, that haineth. Causes Ryan to bleed, Mike. It's terrible. It's also red. 
It's not quite murder, but it's very foul. It's time for effing dreams from Effie. She grabs the quilt and smiles and heads to bed to make yet another penitite fall. It's time to shut the lamp, Rebecca lamp, off. Dun, 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 dun. Mickey goes looking for Ryan and finds him bleeding to death in the farm. Except that he's not bleeding to death. He's just been pierced by his pitchfork. Yeah. It's It's a flesh wound. It's just a flesh wound. It's a flesh woundeth. Ryan is smitten, but hey, an alarm bell sounds again. Guess what? Rebecca Lamp has been found deadeth in her sleepeth. Bummereth. The next day, they're burying Rebecca Lamp as Grain eulogizes her. Ryan once again visits Laura. Who is it that might want to be the next Granger bride? Well, it's Effie. Unfortunately, Laura and Ryan kiss, thereby attracting Crazy Matthew. Ryan is taken down yet again by this wisp of a man. (laughs) And a crazy wisp at that. And he's almost stoned to death, literally in the head. But Grain saveth. Ryaneth inside of this caseeth. After the saving, Leader Grange demands that there be a cleansing. There will be fire, hot coals here. A triangle is erected. Ryan and Crazy Matthew strike to and fro. And Ryan finally fells Crazy Matthew. Ryan then pole vaults to Laura, his one true penitite love. Meanwhile, back at Effie's room, it's time to hunt again for the quilt. But it's not Mickey. This time, it's old lady Sarah who still doesn't find the blanket, but is surprised when Effie disturbs her. Sarah then confronts her about stealing the quilt. She knows that she's done it. And guess what? It's time for some more effing death. Sarah gets to Mickey and tells her about the quilt. And Effie knows that Sarah is looking for the quilt. And she's delivering detail. Effie is laying down for a short winter's death nap. Another renaissance dream beginneth, and another death bell tolls. Sarah has died in the fire in her mind, as well as in the fire in her bedroom. Gong, 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 eth. It's getting hot in here. Mickey confronts Effie and grabs the quilt and hauls Major Asseth. Grange buries Sarah, yet another member of the Penitite clan, and wonders, where is justice? Meanwhile, Ryan chooses to stay in Penitite land to abandon Saturday morning cartoons, hot dogs, and masturbation? It's time to have a sense of purpose, something that he's been looking for for a long time. It's time for Mickey and Jack to continue on without Ryan. As a solemn violin echoes, a carriage containing a bobbing red-headed quilt finder leaves the colony. Mickey arrives back at the Curious Goods Antique Shop, where she sees a horse and begins singing an homage to Ryan, who is no longer with them. Jack welcomes her back and wonders, Hey, where's Ryan at? Mickey shares Ryan's choice with Jack, who hopes he'll grow out of it, but knows that we all have to follow our own paths. Thankfully, the Quilt of Death, a.k.a. Quilt of Hathor, has been recovered! (gasps) Or has it? Jack sets this quilt ablaze and it burns. But the real quilt cannot be destroyed. To be continued. 
wow, an electrifying retelling of the first part of our very first two-parter inside of the cone of Friday the 13th, the series. Yes. What fun that was. In fact, I, again, I love the retellings almost as much as I liked watching the episode. That was yeah. fun. There are all kinds of goods that happen inside of every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Let's get to the goods. True fish-out-of-water syndrome. Inside this episode, it can't get more completely different than the life that Mickey and Ryan traditionally lead Mm -hmm. versus what you see inside of the entirety of this episode. Right. There's never a time where regular life spills back onto them at all. And I thought that the episode was awesome because of that. We've had several episodes where Mickey and Ryan have gone somewhere that's outside of their comfort zone, but Mm -hmm. never have they gone to a place where... It's so alien to them. The yeah. uh, the religious yeah. angle and especially the strictness and the severity of the religious sect that they are visiting is completely alien to them. Yeah, and it shows, too. It, it definitely shows they, because they constantly make mistakes. And, they're of course, they're apologizing for them. And when, when you think about a religious order if you're sorry that should make up for things but but no 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 it actually enrages them even and, more right. that they essentially by apologizing they're making even more problems right yeah it's it's a very interesting paradigm and it's definitively the it is the fish out of water story times 2 inside this episode i thought it was great the unexpected and unanticipated This is probably one of the most interesting aspects of this episode, Mm. is that there are so many things that take you by not only surprise, but that you would have never even thought would happen inside this episode. Uh, On top of the pyramid of what happens inside of this episode, that if I'd have told you when we started watching this episode, you're going to see Ryan and some crazy not yet married to a (laughs) pseudo Mennonite dude duking it out atop a triangle over hot coals and fire with sticks, you would have laughed at me and said, bubba bullshit. Right, I would have. And that's exactly what we're delivering here inside this episode. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it, it was fun. It was. It's like, okay, the, what is the cleansing? Well, that's exactly, I've just described to you what the cleansing is. Yeah, the cleansing is, is you, you, we're going to fight and the loser ends up falling into the hot coals. <laughs> Burning, thereby burning if you're closeth to death, and and probably burning your skin and cleansing you of whatever impurities you had to get you to this triangle of death. Yeah, yeah. The the fight, the fight atop the the triangle of death and cleansing, it's not very good. It's it's clunky. It's definitively clunky. But 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 you don't expect it, so therefore the clunkiness it doesn't really matter. You're just like, uh, oh okay. The concept, it could have been a series of still photos and I still would have gotten the enjoyment out of it. I thought it's, it was very interesting. It's very, it's very Old Testament when, when yeah. you think about how this uh, order runs itself. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. But then it's also not. I mean, there's so many different things layered on top of this. The mm-hmm. fact that, uh, you know, you must, uh, if you're a upstanding member of the community, you must be married. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, and we find out, we find out that the uh, Granger is, you know, he's he's the head of the, the order. All right. Well, he's been widowed for six months. Oh, well, six months, too long for you to be without a bride. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's, he's, he's making out with this young chick at the beginning of the episode, and, you know, she gets bumped off. Mm-hmm. 
and it's, it's it's literally days later, and the the elders are like, "Well, you know, despite the fact there's these strange deaths going round, you need to be married." So he has to pick another bride, and again, and boom, she dies, and she dies. Right. So this guy, and that's, Appar- that's apparently the Columbo DNA wasn't included right. inside of the 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 Pennonites. The, the another one of the unexpected things is is that the unhinging of the religious leader. With all of these deaths going on, you 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 can actually see and hear as he's eulogizing these people. He's going a little nutty. Mm-hmm. Like, what what am I doing to piss you off, God? Mm-hmm. Essentially, and yet another unexpected or unanticipated thing is our bad guy, our our villain. And I mean, it's very obvious that Effie is our villain. I mean, she does everything that she can, minus putting a neon sign over her head saying, all she needs bad is a, guy. All she needs is a scarlet arrow pointing at her face. Right. Yeah. But uh, our our bad guy is so bad. For a religious community, she's lusting for both the carnal relationship with the uh, the pastor, mm-hmm. but also the power. She is lusting for power, the power that comes with being mm-hmm. the wife of the leader. Because if he dies, the wife becomes the ultimate power in the colony, whatever you want to call it. Right. So, yeah, it's just a lot of twists and turns that made this episode real fun. Yeah. A twist ending on top of a two-parter. This is very interesting. Again, you guys have listened to the retelling, and the twist at the end is that the quilt that was recovered, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, asterisk, mm-hmm. is not the quilt. It's the wrong quilt. It's it's a fake. It's a right. phony. It, it, Counterfeit it, quilt. It's definitively that, and that instantly adds on that not only is this not a recovered item, it is a two-parter that lets us that allows us to go back and visit to see what is going to happen to Ryan, if anything else. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and I love that. Again, it's a it's another piece of the sandwich that's delivered here in true Dagwood style inside of the goods. Yeah, we haven't we haven't had anything like this. Not we, we've never had a twist ending when we've never had it to be continued. Yeah. So it's it definitely gives us the uh, anticipation of what could happen next. Yeah, there was a lot of greats inside of this episode. We've only gone over three of them. We want to know what you guys thought. Go over to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page and fill out the quick web form and tell us what you thought was good inside this episode. We've touched upon a handful of the goods in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, but there's always a little bit of room for improvement. Let's take a look at some of the not-so-goods. Speed Bumpy Elizabethan. Now, I know this was a big problem for you, Mike. I, yeah. I, I was I was all right with it. It, it didn't I, I, really bother me too much. But you, you found the the speech of the colonists a little clunky because clunky of the, the, a, yeah. the these and the thous and, and yeah. all that. The clunky is a really good word, and it... It's not because they sucked. It it's because it was inserted, mm. and it was pieces of script being readeth, <laughs> rather than actors pulling off what I thought was a good solid Shakespeare offer, and it was not. What they it, should have done is they should have sat uh, sat down everybody in this episode to watch Witness, 
and maybe they would have gotten a better handle on a, t- a taste of what. <laughs> I guess. I, I I guess if nothing else, them them grabbing the Shakespearean want also helps to elevate it outside of look. It's not the Mennonites. Look, it's not the Amish. Right. So I I mean I get it and. I, I I thought it delivered a piece of clunky that didn't help the episode at all. There's nothing where anybody delivers any lines, with maybe the exception of the leader Grange. Yeah, where I, I I am buying more of what he says because it's delivered with over the top Shakespeare. Yeah, all the stuff when he's burying people, it's got to be delivered like that. Right. Oh yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't have the same impact. The rest of it, though, I it was lost on me mostly because it was delivered clunkily. Mm. I think maybe Sarah, the older lady, might have been the only one that was not a speed bump to listening to what was being said. Right. And then, of course, Abe Lincoln slash Grange <laughs> inside of this during the pieces where he's burying people. I thought it was very effective, and mm-hmm. it was worthy of being over the top because the over the top part gives him that personality trait of, you know, he's not all there. In addition right. to the finances being sideways inside of whatever the hell is going on, he's not all there either. Yeah. Well, I think it's 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 definitely one of those cases of, and we talked about it during the goods, the fact that they wanted to make this environment as alien as possible yeah. to our two heroes. Mm-hmm. And adding in the Elizabethan Shakespearean speak definitely adds on to the alienness. Yeah. But if it's not delivered correctly, it's clunky. Transparent villainy. I made mention of this during the goods while we were talking about Effie. Usually, when we're watching this show, the evil our the evil of our villain kind of progresses or oozes out throughout the episode. Real quick, we get. Hi, I'm Effie. I'm your villain of this episode. I, I'm not kidding. I think it was a minute in. Y- yeah. There, there's the smooch of the two forlorn wanna get hunk of chunk of yeah. that is effing invaded by right. Effie, yeah. Yeah. and it, it's instantly game on that from the get-go of yep. the episode. Yep, yep. I, and it progresses. I, it just progresses. It does. It grows. It absolutely grows. And as I continue to think about it, I wonder if it's actually negative. If it didn't grow, then I'd have a problem. But it does grow. In fact, as we reach the end of the episode, it grows even more because of the... And this is something that you mentioned, actually, after we got done watching the episode. It actually progresses even more because now you can go back to contemplate what Effie was saying when the quilt is being taken. Yeah. And it now actually means something because you know that it's fake. Yeah. She and threw such a fit about it, but she didn't do anything about right. it. Right. And you would think for somebody who was who wanted the power of becoming the wife of, you know, the leader of the community, mm-hmm. she would have done anything she could to keep the keep her hands on that quilt. Yeah. And she never would have let Mickey take it. Right. But when you think about it, her being the villain, she was a great villain. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why we're we're lumping this into the bad is because it was extremely transparent. There was no leading to it. Mm-hmm. So I guess you can take this a good and a bad yeah. <laughs> in one yeah. in one thing. Because as a villain, she was smart enough to know I'm not going to be able to get what I want until I get rid of these idiots. Mm-hmm. So the only way I can get rid of them is make them think they've got what they came for. Yeah, brilliant. Isn't that, yeah, isn't that funny? Because like, what's it? What would be the test to make sure you got the right one? And if if you didn't know about the destruction clause, yeah, had had you're Jack not going to go try it, <laughs> unfolded it, and then accidentally, you know, pulled it the wrong way to where it could rip, they never would have known 
that it was a fake. Yeah. So, I mean, I, but again, you know, thanks to the script, because you got to go back because you got a two-parter. Right. But again, it could have been one of those situations where we've had a we've had a fake in the vault for years. Yeah. You know, there's still something out there. So, yeah, I, credit where credit is due. Love the villain, but the fact that it's like the less than five minutes into the episode, oh, we know who the villain is. Yeah, and right. I think it's seconds. I really do. So- I think it's seconds <laughs> into the episode. The love at first sight rabbit hole. If I was going to complain about anything in this episode, it would have to be Ryan's decision at the end of the episode to stay. Now, because it's a two-parter, because there has to be a return to the colony, it makes sense Mm story-wise. But character-wise, if you take... I mean, this is episode 19. We've gotten to know our characters pretty well. Mm Mm-hmm. Ryan has never had any kind of real romantic entanglements in this show yet, except for early on when he was flirting with his cousin by marriage. I like pointing that out because, yes, they are cousins, but it's by marriage. So Mickey and Ryan could, could end up together, and it wouldn't be weird. (laughs) But the fact that he's just so gung-ho about somebody he barely knows that he's just met in a very alien environment. He's so in love with 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 that person, with Laura, the, you know, the, the shepherd's daughter, that he would just leave everything behind with his life and give up his purpose in life, which is, you know, collecting the the cursed objects. Mm-hmm. He's giving all of that up just to stay there. It seemed a little it it was forced. For me, knowing Ryan as I do, in these last 19 episodes, that doesn't really seem like the Ryan Dalian I know. It was painted on quick. Yeah. Uh, There's a couple things I wanted to make sure we mentioned because we didn't get to it inside of the goods. One of the best parts of this episode, and I'm just going to be completely forthright with you and everybody that's listening to this episode. Okay. Laura is stunningly beautiful. Okay. Like drop dead, plain gorgeous and endearing and inviting in every good way you can imagine. Right. Except that she happens to be tethered to this goony, incredibly locked down box of a culture colony. Right. And I can understand how Ryan can be smitten by her. Extremes attract, and Ryan was absolutely smitten by her. Right. But again, I don't see how it's... I'm giving up everything, including yeah, the giving up the everything yeah, it's, thing. Is a, it's is a big just deal a little. It was, it was a little forced for me. Yeah, but the, yeah, I, I could totally understand why it would fall for it. Right. Though. There's another concept that we talked about, and we didn't share much of it, mostly because there's there's enough here that's original. But what is not original is the smitten part, and almost two or three of the different scenes are pages torn from the movie Witness, mm. starring Harrison Ford and uh, Kelly McGillis, which another complete stunner back then in the right, in right. 1985's witness that is a tremendous movie which by the way borrow all the time from it it's an awesome film inside of that movie you have a lot more development and the benefit of john book inside of that movie uh kind of spoilers if you haven't seen witness you need to just stop listening to the podcast and go watch it real quick the benefit of John Book of leaving his life as a police officer to stay with the Amish people that he's going to go and visit and, and blend in with to try and avoid murderers is that it would be the breaking off point 
that he could do if he could stay there and not be hunted by murderers, it would work. He could live the simple life. He had the skills. He had the want to be a a participatory member of that of that uh, culture. Unfortunately, murderers. (laughs) <laughs> right. And and that was that was the big problem there. And even at the end of the film, he has the second opportunity and he chooses to leave. Right. I, I think that's what really makes that film terrific is it's not just the one shot and done. It's the second shot and a denial of a potentially happy ending to a movie that was not a happy ending yeah. and better because it was not happy. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, those are our thoughts, but we want to know what you thought needed a little bit of polish in this episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Hit the contact button, fill out that web form, and tell us your thoughts on what could have used a little bit of polish. We've talked about so much in the goods and bads, but it's time to take a break here during the Curious Goods podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and complete educational detailing of each episode of Friday the 13th, the series. We'll be right back. Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can. With perpetual advertising, here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even if your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment real impact thanks to perpetual advertising are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors make your podcast soar with the editor core editing podcasts can be rough Everyone knows that you'll spend at least double the time you use creating the podcast when editing it. Then there's the control freak factor and the gotta get it right the first time. Well, it's time to shove all that out the door and make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The Editor Core is a talented, experienced team of podcast editors that have edited tens of thousands of hours of podcast content and they're ready for yours now. Check out EditorCore.com because it's time. To make your podcast soar, editorcore.com. That's editorcore.com. Everyone, welcome back to the Curious Goods Podcast a retelling, a revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. This time, season one, episode 19. Every time we come back, it's time to document our manifest moments. 
The manifest moments are where Nick and I recognize either an actor's portrayal, something inside the production design cone, or something else that trips our collective review night. Fantastic. Nick, what have you got? Well, for me, during this episode, my manifest moment has got to be the dream sequences. Mm -hmm. Reason why it's my manifest moment is is uh, twofold. One, the filming style. I mean, it's it's set in Elizabethan times, so you know you've got the 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 big wigs and the sense, yeah. the weird clothing, and everybody's all foppy mm -hmm. and 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 it was very bright colors. Mm -hmm. It was very. Oh, I don't want to call it cartoonish, but when you compare it to the plainness Definitively of the colony, yeah. it's very contrasting. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it it jumps out at you during the episode, which is good. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. other half of it is is that it has a a Nightmare on Elm Street esque feel to it. Mm -hmm. You've got Effie who's all quilted up and she's dreaming, and her, the whole point of her dream is she's going to kill some people. Mm -hmm. And in the third dream that we see that she has in the in the episode when she's killing Sarah, her face is actually bright red with blood with very dark patches almost almost looking like burn marks. Mm -hmm. Well, that's what Freddy Krueger looks like. Freddy Krueger is just just a, he's a walking burn victim. Mm -hmm. Was it a nod? Was it just uh, the, somebody in the makeup department going like, ah, what, are, what can we do during this sequence that'll make it look a little bit different? I don't know. But the fact that it happened made my internal bell go ding, 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 Freddy Krueger. <laughs> and anything revolving around Freddy Krueger is always a good thing. And that is my manifest moment. I think that's a real good moment. It's definitely one of the colloquial moments inside of the episode each time it happens for the dream sequences that's a great choice i think my choice inside of this has got to be the concept of an alien village okay. because while we're definitively taking something from the amish slash mennonite slash right not either of them but something conglomerized that's stoking the fire of hellfire brimstone mm -hmm. and much more rule of law to the point of you know, super militant, crazy Scarlet Letter stuff that we're talking right. about. What I also wanted to compare this to is another offering inside of the entertainment cone, which is 2004's The Village, constructed by M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong, who I, I liked that movie, and I've liked the movie even more upon ongoing viewings to go back and check out the subtleties that were buried to help convey the story on multiple viewings. I, I enjoy mm. that a lot inside of movies when I can go back and something is revealed. And then after you know the something that has been revealed, the other pieces that were presented inside the film suddenly have more meaning. I like it when they can do that. And I think, I think the village does that. I fell asleep the second time I saw it. Did you? The benefit of the village is one that it's just longer. It had more time to, to cultivate. Now we're going to be talking about 43 minutes times two when this is all said and done. So I don't know where it's going. Right. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see what happens with that. What I really liked though, was that this is an alien environment. It It is something solely different than what we've seen previously. And because it is an alien environment, there is just innately more peril. There's two or three times where you thought it would either come to blows or if Grange had not been there, there's a rock landing on Ryan's forehead. Right. And we're kind of done. Uh, and I'm certain that there's some law that he would have broken because he's not married. He 
she didn't do anything, blah, insert whatever else. And, you know, murder. Yeah. And and so I I, I, I like that, and I wish there could have been some more development there just because we ran out of time, really, is what, what we're looking at here. And we've got a second part of the episode coming. But that completely alien environment that is the same at the end of the village where, spoiler alert, you know that it's not back in the times of the Scarlet Letter. Yeah. Because, yeah. hey, look, there's airplanes. There's okay. cars. Yeah, there's roads. Anyway, the I, I love that a lot, and that's my manifest moment. That's where we ask you guys, what was your manifest moment inside of this episode? Let us know what you think by going over to our website. Again, that's CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page, fill out the quick web form, and tell us what was your manifest moment. Ah, vocabulary. A dance with the words inside of the episode where Ryan danced with horses, young ladies, and crazy Matthew. The first word inside of this episode wasn't actually used inside of the episode, but it refers to the Shakespearean babble that's used inside of it. And it's phonology. The phonology that we're referring to here is the Shakespearean that's used in and out of the dialogue. Yeah, the old English. The stuff that I thought was kind of clunky, except for a couple of characters. Right, right. And bottom line is that this old Shakespearean stuff that they're using, which is also known as OP, which is original pronunciation, hmm. actually folds into a lot of very interesting concepts that are dialogued inside of a video that we're going to link up inside the show notes. And according to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com, phonology is the study of the sound system of a given language and the analysis and classification of its phonemes. A very interesting definition that has all kinds of technical things that will also be pointed out specifically inside of this kick-ass video I found while we were looking for the word phonology. Wow, yeah. And I want all of you to go check out the show notes for this episode over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. And go and check out this video. It's very telling. It's very detailed. And I guarantee you there's at least four or five light bulb moments that you will not be sorry you went and listened to. The second vocabulary word inside of this deals specifically with the phenomenon of quilting, which is... Patchwork. Quilting is something I've never had any interest in. In fact, I don't like the feel of most quilts. So like my mother-in-law, I think over the course of... The many years that I knew her made us two or three different quilts. Yeah. Some of them were made out of what is traditional quilt patchwork stuff that we see inside of this episode. Mm -hmm. But she's also made some out of uh, doily style crocheted material, blah. Right. I, I don't dig them. They're, they're definitively not my kind of blanket. They, they don't help me go sleepy. <laughs> I don't know if it's the texture or whatever, but patchwork inside of this episode I think is incredibly apt. Because patchwork, of course, refers to the process of making a quilt by sewing many small pieces of fabric together to create many different designs for a quilt. It's also known as piecework. And another, another great term that I found. Penny squares. This is a very interesting vocabulary word. And again, I love digging into things that I don't even have any interest in. But to find great vocabulary words like penny squares is also great. For those that are curious, penny squares are a form of embroidery designs, also known as red work, which uses red floss to trace simple line drawings onto quilt blocks. 
Again, all of this vocabulary is something to incite you to go and look at the different things you know nothing about to find things that might even spark any kind of curiosity about something else you don't yet know. Again, our thanks to our friends over at visualthesaurus.com. Episode rating. Ah, the rating for this episode of Friday the 13th, the series, this time season one, episode 19. The Quilt of the scale works thusly. Ten is on top of the heap. A perfectly patent set of penny squares providing a patchwork of quilt excellence inside of this episode. Like I need a towel. <laughs> a squeegee, perhaps. A one is on the bottom of the heap. Terrible, burning, dreamy death. <laughs> a seven is an average where everything starts. The numbers go up with positives. The numbers go down with negatives. And Nick? There are no habsies. Nick, what do you got? I'm a little apprehensive of even trying to come up with a rating for this because I kind of feel like I need to watch part two and lump them together mm -hmm. because part two might actually might suck. I mean, it, it, it might, it, it just might suck. And then like completely be uneven where this one is concerned. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but of course, you know, I can't speculate because I don't know how part two is going to go. Right. Where this episode is concerned by itself. Uh, pacing was great. I never felt bored at any point in time. I never wanted to stop Paying set attention to the episode. Fire. Yes, I never wanted to set myself on fire. Okay. It, it never felt like a slog to get through. Yep. And all of a sudden, it's over. I was like, oh, wow, okay, well, that that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Beside a couple of the hiccups that we talked about, uh, really, when you boil this one down, for me at least, uh, this, was, this was definitely an eight on the rating scale for me. Eight. Eight's a really good number for this episode. Lots of bold presentations, both inside of color inside of activity, inside of action, the highly erected triangle of cleansing <laughs> doesn't get much more awesome than that. Uh, when you mix on top of it, this incredibly gorgeous woman that is the seed element for Ryan leaving behind his entire life. And then the extension of a two-parter. Wow. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's way up on top. I think I got to go a number above you just to, because I'm better than you and make it a nine. That's where we ask you guys. What did you think of this episode? Season one, episode 19, the first of a two-parter. The Quilt of Halo. Let us know what you think by going over to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Click anywhere on the right-hand side of the page. Fill out the quick web form and don't suffer sleepy quilt bound death so until next time when nick and i grab a quilt cuddle lovingly and begin the murderous rage i'm mike wilkerson one of your hosts and i'm nicholas j her and your other host roasting under this damn quilt i feel like i'm on fire do you smell smoke mike i, I hope that's I smell fire smoke. i smell sulfur i don't know about fire oh well sulfur kind of goes with Oh my god! Oh my god! We're, we're burning! Oh, oh my god, we're burning! Oh, it's so hot! To be continued. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. 
Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. Com. Hit the contact. Hit the contact. <laughs> Hit the contact button. <laughs> what the hell was that? I don't know. Make sure you use that voice while you do it, though. Hit the contact button. <laughs>